the book of Acts. So we have, uh, we started the book of Acts a few months ago, and we're breaking it up a little bit into three major sections. Part one uh, was the new kingdom come. It was really gave us from, from chapter one all the way through chapter nine, and really we got to see how the church began, right? The book of Acts is the continuation of the gospel of Luke. It was written there to validate our faith so we would know that our faith was real. And so Acts picks up after the resurrection of Jesus, and it really starts with how the church began. And we saw in chapters 1 through 9 how the church really began. We saw Pentecost and how it started. We got to see how the church then expanded through uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And that was part of the memory verse that we had for that entire book while we were going through it. That first uh, series was Acts 1-8, where Jesus said that, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so we got the first part of that, the Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, those geographically, we got to see the gospel expand from that. Now in part two, we get to see it's the march of the kingdom. Why? Because it's March, and I thought that was clever. But also... Because we see the kingdom begin to advance, right? Now we get to see in chapters 10 through 14 how the kingdom of God now goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, from the Jewish world all the way out now to the ends of the earth, even to the Gentile world. It is amazing. And the barriers that it takes down are phenomenal. And so uh, it's an incredible section of scripture, and uh, I'm excited to get to it. But before that, of course, we have our memory verse, and for this series... Our memory verse is going to be Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It is long, but it's something that every Christian should know. This is called the, the uh, Great Commission, right? What, what every Christian should be part of. Jesus uh, gave this to us, and it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Today we talk about how that is lived out. Jesus wasn't joking. But how were they going to, disciples, how was a church going to make disciples of all nations? Now we take it for granted. Our faith is the largest faith in the world. It's on every single continent. It's in every single country. By, in our lifetime, it will have reached every single language. I think that's amazing. I'll tell you, when, when Jesus gave that, When he gave the Great Commission, it was to a very small handful of people who lived in Palestine, who who most of them had never traveled outside of maybe more than than 50 miles from their home. This was crazy talk. And we are living the fulfillment of this. And we get to live as part of the fulfillment of this as well. We get to see how it began in this chapter. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open it up to chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. If you have one of our Bibles, that's going to be on page 766. If you forgot your Bible today or you need a Bible, don't worry about it. It's a church. We've got lots of them. So they're right there at the, uh, by the sound booth there. There's a, a uh, bookshelf there. And if you need a Bible, just keep it. Uh, it's our gift to you. Okay, so we get to, to Acts chapter 10. We're coming right off of uh, the, the, the uh, Acts 9 where we see... This guy named Saul, who was a persecutor of the faith, he has this great opportunity to meet Jesus, and he becomes a believer, and then uh, as he's converted from being an enemy of the faith to, to, a, to a, a believer in the faith, uh, we now know him, we'll see through here, we know him as Paul, the great apostle, right? And so that's what we have. We see that God is able to change anybody's hearts. And then in chapter 10, we go back to the apostle Peter, 
And we see how God then expands the kingdom even wider. At first, you can imagine the church was thinking that anybody, it was going to reach all the Jewish people, but it couldn't reach some people who had really hard hearts, people like Saul who was killing Christians. And God says, oh yeah, I can even reach them. And now we see God break down a whole other barrier that the people's minds like, okay, you may be able to save a guy like Paul, right? Who, but can you save those stinky Gentiles? Okay, so it picks up the story. I'm just going to do an overview first, and then we're going to focus in a little bit on the text. Okay, so the first thing, just an overview of the chapter. As he picks up with this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was a God-fearing Jew, which means, or God-fearing Gentile. He was a Gentile. He, he, he worshipped God, in a way, the best that he could understand. He knew that God existed, and he wanted to honor him, so he was a good man, right? He was also a centurion, Right? He was a commander of the Roman army, which, if you were Jewish at the time, not friends. Okay? You would think if he was, God was going to save any type of, of Gentile, he would save not a Roman soldier, much less a Roman leader, a soldier, a leader of soldiers. But you find this guy, and he was a man that, that even though he didn't know about God as far through the scriptures, he didn't know uh, about Jesus or anything like that, he knew enough that God existed and he wanted to honor him. Okay, so he, he was praying, and one day, uh, God sends an angel to him and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. You're going to go down. I want you to fetch this guy. He's in a different city. I want you to go fetch him. His name is Peter, and I want you to bring him back. He has a message for you. And so, as a good soldier, Cornelius says, I, I, to the, uh, to the angel, and he sends, dispatches some guys to go down and to get Peter. Meanwhile, Peter is down in a different city, and what is he doing? Well, he's, he's resting in the afternoon. Right? He's sleeping, trying to take a nap on the roof, and he has this vision, and it's kind of strange. As he's sitting there, he's sleeping, he sees a, a big picnic blanket being lowered from heaven, and it's got all kinds of, of food on there, different animals that are on there. Now, you've got clean animals, animals that Jewish people could eat, and you had unclean animals, things that Jewish people were forbidden to eat, like bacon right, and snakes and stuff like that. And it's being lowered down from heaven, and then God, hears, God speaks to Peter, and he says, uh, Peter, go and eat. And Peter's like, uh-uh, surely not, Lord. Uh, he, Peter thought it was a test, like God was, was testing him to see if he was going to break his vow. And, uh, and then, uh, but God says, hey, huh, no, you don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. Get up and eat. And then he sees this vision three times, right? And God makes a, a point to Peter that, like God has, what God has called clean is now clean, even things that were unclean according to the law. Now, Peter doesn't understand what this means because would you? Right? So he's sitting on this roof puzzling, what on earth does this mean? And lo and behold, who shows up at the door? Well, some soldiers dispatched by Cornelius. They're like, hey, is uh, Peter here? <laughs> and Peter's like, uh, yeah, where, what do you want? And he's like, well, we have a boss back in another city. We want you to go up there and... Uh, uh, he sent us, an angel said that you're going to go up there. And Peter's like, okay. So he goes up with these Gentile soldiers, and he goes into Cornelius' house, right? And uh, he gets there, and he's like, he's still, as a Jewish guy, he's like, I'm not going to hang out with these Gentiles. That would be violating my, you know, my, 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 my faith, my vow to, to be pure before God. And so he's like, I don't know. Should I come in? And, and uh, Cornelius says, listen, God told me that you were going to come, that you have a message for me. And so Peter knew, based upon the vision, it started to make sense to him. Wait a second. These guys were like the snakes and the, and, and the bacon, right? They were unclean. 
But God is now doing something. He's calling them clean. And so Peter goes in and he shares the gospel with them. And it's when they hear the gospel, right, it makes sense to them. And all of a sudden, God shows up in such a powerful way that the people who hear it, they believe that God fills them with the Holy Spirit in the same way he filled the Jewish people with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Remember, that was an amazing thing where all of a sudden they were able to speak in language they hadn't, they hadn't uh, studied before. They're able to share the gospel and all this kind of stuff. Well, Peter sees this and he says, oh, and the guys that were with him, the Jews that were with him, they said, okay, this is confirmation that this is a work from God. That God has accepted the Gentiles too, which as a Jewish person would have blown your mind because for hundreds, thousands of years, you were told to stay away from, that they weren't clean, right? That we had to be this pure people, and they were. And all of a sudden that God would show up and put his Holy Spirit in Gentiles? What? This is not expected. And so Peter, you know, picks up his jaw, right? And he says, okay, they clearly have been accepted by God. We can't keep them out of the faith. And so they're baptized, all of them, right? And it was just this amazing thing. They were then added to the church. What a story. What a life-changing event. If, if you are not Jewish like me, this is one of the happiest stories in all of Scripture. It was the time that God did not replace the Jewish people. He opened the doors wide to his kingdom and grafted us in. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. We were left out of the party. And God said, welcome, welcome. This was the beginning of the gospel transformation of the entire world. I think a fascinating thing. And so what do we get from this, right? As we go into this chapter, as well, I, I think we see how the kingdom of God expands, right? We see how the kingdom of God expands. In this chapter, we begin to see that, that God's kingdom doesn't just advance, but there's a, there's a method, there is a way in which it starts to grow. And we're going to talk about that today. The first thing that we see as the gospel expands is that God prepares hearts for the gospel, right? In, in, in verses 1 through 7, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, right? A centurion who was well known. In the Italian regiment, he and all his family were devout, God-fearing, and they generously gave to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him and said, what is it, Lord? And the angel says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as, as a memor- memorial offering before God. Now send a man to Joppa to bring him back. His name is Simon, called Peter. Right? We begin with the fact that God started, opened this this centurion's heart to listen to a Jew. So how amazing is that? If Peter would have shown up before the angel did, do you think this high-ranking soldier would have spent time listening to a Palestinian? Uh, As much as the Jews basically were separated from the Gentiles, the Gentiles were also separated from the Jews, weren't they? The Romans didn't think highly of the Jewish people, right? They didn't. They, because they, there was some animosity between there. If God didn't show up in Cornelius' heart first, Cornelius never would have been open to receiving the gospel. This is something I think it's very, very important to us. Now, I think oftentimes we as Christians, we as those who have this amazing opportunity to live in this kingdom, sometimes we go out into the world to those who, who have no idea who Christ is, 
And we've not asked God or given him room to, to prepare hearts. We begin with the fact that God prepared the heart for the gospel. Even before Peter even knew to pray, even before Peter was, was en route, God was preparing hearts to receive it. And so the angel opens up a Gentile's ears to hear from a Jew. Now, the second thing we find here in that is that also in verses 6, 8 through 16 is a story of that amazing vision. And you should read it. It's a great story. It's a little bizarre, but that's why it's so cool, right? But you see how then God prepares a Jew to share with a Gentile. You're saying that the prepared hearts isn't just a one-way thing. It's not just that God prepared Cornelius' heart to receive the gospel. The Holy Spirit prepared Peter's heart to share it. Because up until this point, Peter had no intention nor desire to share the gospel with a Gentile. Even though Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's all different kinds of people. Peter still didn't have, I mean, it was outside of his thought that a Gentile, a Gentile could possibly, possibly be saved. To understand that God had to do a work in Peter too. Peter saw the Gentiles, he saw Cornelius as unclean, as unacceptable. You know it's hard to share the gospel with somebody you hate? God had to, to make a change in Peter's heart. And so, God sent a vision. And it changed Peter's heart so he would be able and ready to share the gospel. God prepares hearts for the gospel. Second thing we find is that God authorizes the sharing of the gospel. Right? This is important to us. This is not our message. Right? I didn't die on a cross for your sins. I, it wasn't me. Right? The church didn't do that. This is a work of God. Right? And so it's for the people that God wants them to hear. Right? This is his work. I think it's amazing that God then authorizes the sharing of it. In, in verses 28 29, you will read here, in, it, uh, this is the voice from, uh, from God. He says this. He says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law. This is, a, I'm sorry, Peter. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now, that's, a, that's pretty powerful. That Peter was set free by God to meet with anybody. As we remember from our memory verse, Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, right? He has the right to tell us what to do. And there is no end to his jurisdiction. And he says, go make disciples of all nations. Now, we have been authorized. Understand that up to this point, the Jewish people were not authorized to open up the gates wide to the Gentiles of faith. Now, yeah, they could have Gentiles that could be... That could become part of the faith and things like this, but they were not to associate with them, right? You could, if you were a Gentile, you could become part of the faith by becoming a Jew. And that's the only way that it would happen. But this was totally different. God was authorizing, saying, we are going to go. We're not going to wait and have them come. The, we were authorized to actually share this message, which is important for us because I think oftentimes we look at the world and we say, who is worthy of receiving this message? But God is the one who's authorized us. He said, you are able to meet even with Gentiles. <laughs> You're able to meet with, people, meet with people and share them, tell them about me, who have no idea who I am. And then, not only can we meet with them, we can share the gospel with them. Which is a, another thing, that we have been given the right 
to be able to extend an invitation to God's house. Now think how amazing that is, uh, to be a part of God's family. Now let's say that I throw a party at my house, because I like to do that. I like to have barbecues and things like this occasionally, right? So that's fun. If I have a party at my house, and say I invite you, right? Do you have the right then just to invite anybody you want? That'd be a little rude. Say you have a party at your house and you invite me, right? Do, is that giving me an opportunity to say, hey, I know this guy, I'm going to invite him, and everybody he knows gets to invite anybody that they know. Is that okay? No, that would be kind of rude, wouldn't it? You'd be a little offended. We understand this is an invitation to God's family, right? If God invited Cornelius, that's great. But what if God didn't invite somebody else, right? Does, does Peter have the right to invite other people into God's party? Yeah. That's the amazing thing. Like, this is, this is amazing. So after having this, this thing that God authorized Peter to share the gospel, God authorized him to share the gospel even with this unexpected group of people, these Gentiles, guess what? Peter had to make a choice. Was he going to do it? Because there's one thing about, so let's like go back to the party illustration, right? I'll have a party at my house. You want to be around people you like, don't you? Right? If, if you're going to come to my house and we're going to have a good time and all that, you're probably not going to invite people that you're awkward around. But what if God invited people to his party that you're awkward around? I don't know, like a Roman centurion? If you're a Jewish Palestinian? There was one thing that Peter could have heard this message. He could say, God authorized me to share, but it doesn't mean I have to share. But we recognize that this isn't our party. And God said, you're coming, and I want you to invite others. It's not up to us to choose who gets the invitation or not, right? And so Peter shares the gospel, even with this Roman centurion. Couldn't find two people more opposite. Next that we find not only God authorized the sharing of the gospel, but then he also empowers the message of the gospel. Right? This is not just convincing. This is not a sales script. Right? This is something that, this is a, a, a message of life. The Holy Spirit shows up. Verse 44, this is, I think, one of the happiest verses, especially for those of us who are Gentiles, uh, that we, we get to see. It says, or, um, all of a sudden, my, uh, my note fell out of my Bible. There it is. Peter was still speaking these words, and the Holy Spirit came on all of those who heard the message. The, uns- uh, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter came and he shared the gospel, but God was the one that empowered it. God was the one that, that made it something amazing, life-transforming, and changing. Right, I think it's important for us to recognize that the gospel is something that is not just a, a message from people. It is, it is the power of God. And so when Peter shows up and he shares the gospel, God shows up in a powerful way and does something that Peter himself could never have done. And so the, the Jews, of course, were surprised. They didn't expect this. They expected maybe that the Gentiles would be cut to the quick and be like, oh, we're such horrible people, we should become Jews now. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But God didn't make them Jews first. God just accepted them. And that point of faith, he says, ah, you're going to be part of my kingdom. And so God did a work. God showed up. 
Now, this is an amazing passage, and I think we see this process in Scripture repeated over and over and over again through the book of Acts and through the rest of, of our lives, really, that this process of how God works. So how do we apply that in our life as we begin to apply Scripture this? The first thing I would say, we have to let God prepare hearts, don't we? As we share the gospel, if we are we're disciples of Jesus who build disciples of Jesus, don't leave Jesus out of that, Right? I mean, if we as Christians want to go into this world and have this mighty stand to be all these types of things, and we, and we do it on our own power, we are making disciples of us, and the world doesn't need more of us. But it needs a whole lot more of Jesus. What does that mean? You have to begin asking God, talking to him. Peter was on a rooftop praying. Cornelius was praying as well. I guess it's interesting how God shows up when we invite him. We have to begin with prayer. There's a, a great story, uh, those of you who are in the nine arts of spiritual conversation, you get to be, that the, were there last, uh, last week, we learned about this, the power of prayer. There was a, a pastor who started a church in California back in the 1960s, or 1970s, 1970s, and uh, he opened it up in an in a X-rated theater, like he rented it out, he bought the theater out, so it turned it into a church, and he was kind of edgy, and it was like, and so the first thing was like, um, I think it was like XXX God or something like that was their first sermon or whatever. And lots of people came and then they were ready and they received the gospel and the church grew. So later on, this pastor thought, hey, this is easy, you know, what we're going to do. So he goes and he starts another church uh, in a suburb. Starts up and nobody shows up. And he's so angry. He's so discouraged. He's like, it worked in the hardest of places. Why won't it work here? And as he was praying over this and thinking over it and all that, God gave him this vision in his mind of like a clump of hard soil that is just not penetrable. It was just hard. Nothing would grow out of it. And then he had this, and God helped him visualize his mind rain as that rain started falling on it and it just kind of made the soil soft. And he was like, what does that mean? And he thought on it and he asked God for wisdom to kind of figure this out. And, and then he realized that, that, that the rain was prayer. That when we pray, God softens hard hearts. And so that's what he did, is he set himself to begin praying. And praying for the people. And it's an amazing thing, when we start praying for people, we start actually caring for them. How cool is that? I don't understand, if we really want to reach, saturate the Estes Valley with the gospel, the great news of Jesus Christ, of who he is, we understand that our enemy aren't the people. A lot of times that their hearts are just, they've, been, they've dried up, they have not received the, the love, the mercy of God. They, they, it's not that people are, are, are wanting to reject God. We have to pray that they'd be able to receive it. They would understand that who he is and his love, that they would be open to it. That comes through prayer. That is a work of God. That is not a work of you having all of the right tools saying just the right things. We need to be a people of prayer to prepare hearts. And sometimes it takes a long time. I'll share a story from my own life of my uh, grandmother. Actually, it's Amy's grandmother, but I've adopted her. She was awesome. Really good person. Canadian, never wanted to become an American because she was so proud of being a Canadian, a Scotch-Canadian at that. But besides that, I still think she's so good. And uh, she was genuinely a good person, right? Uh, she would volunteer her time taking care of other people, all this kinds of stuff, was just charitable and just amazing woman. Well, for lots of years before Amy and I got married, uh, they adopted me as their grandson even before we were married. And, 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 and once I received Christ and I was convinced of who he is, I wanted everybody to know. And so I started just sharing the gospel with them. 
right? And they were like, she was like, I appreciate that, Aaron, but I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm way better than most. And objectively, she was a much better person than even I was, right? Way better. In fact, that wasn't hard to do. She was a really good person, right? But she wasn't perfect. And for 12 years, the first, it was the first five years, I just shared the gospel over and over and over and over again. I wasn't getting anywhere. But she was always very kind and would listen. And her husband, my grandfather, was the same way. And, uh, and then I just started praying for her because I didn't know what else to do and everything that I tried wasn't enough. And so after about 12 years, I call her Graham Sam, she ended up getting dementia and Alzheimer's, which I didn't know were two different things, but they are and it's horrible. And for the next couple years, we got to see her basically fade away. It came to the point that she didn't remember my mother-in-law, her daughter. Um, she didn't recognize us. Um, there was, it was just very, very sad. And so I felt that the time that she could receive the gospel had passed. But I still prayed. Well, one day, uh, it, was a, it was a November day. Um, Graham Sam was sitting in bed. She was sleeping. And uh, the rest of my family was there. And they were hungry. It was around lunchtime. And I said, you know what? I'll just sit with her. And you guys can go out and get some lunch because we're in Fort Collins and, and they were all tired. And, and so, um, so they went out, my wife and her parents and, and my grand, grandfather, they went out and got some lunch. And whilst I was sitting there, I was praying for my Gram Sam and God did a miracle. She woke up and she was lucid. She knew who I was. That was the first sign. That was pretty amazing. And so I, I had the God was, was prepared my heart to share with her because normally I would be like, Graham Sam, you don't have much time, <laughs> right? That's what I would normally do. But instead, I felt the Holy Spirit was directing me to say, Graham Sam, are you afraid? Now, I don't know why I would ask that question because it's not a <laughs> like when somebody actually comes through, they're lucid, right? It, it, like, but that was the question. That was exactly what she knew. She said, yeah, I am afraid. And then I said, well, would you like me to share with you <laughs> how you don't have to be afraid? And she said, yes. And I got to share the gospel. And I shared the gospel with her hundreds of times. But I got to share with her, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. That we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Not by works. Right? And that was an amazing thing. And at the end of that time, I got to ask her, I said, Grandson, do you, do you want that? Do you want to ha- believe? Do you want to, to accept the offer of, of eternal life in Christ to choose him as Lord and Savior? She said, yes. She did, and not much after that, my wife and the rest of the family came back, and they got to have a few minutes with Graham Sam as she was lucid. <laughs> they got to talk and say goodbye, and then, like, her mind just started to fade away. And then later that day, she passed on into glory. Why did God do that? I don't know. He loved her. But I'll tell you this. God prepared her heart at just the right time. You cannot tell me that God is separate from evangelism. There are people in your life that maybe you think will never receive what God has done for them. Do not give up on those whom God still loves. Pray. Pray. You may have been praying for decades. Pray. Because God is powerful. And you have no idea how he will show up. But I'll tell you this. If we try to do this work on our own, He won't show up to invite him. But as you pray that God will prepare their hearts, pray that he will prepare your heart as well. We cannot go to people out of arrogance. 
I am no better than the lost. I'm much better off, but I'm no better. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the, I'm not going to convince anybody to accept Jesus. If I don't love people, who am I to share God's gospel with them? We have to pray that God changes us as well. So pray and allow God to prepare your heart and the hearts of those that we're going to. I think this is awesome that we find in this. Here's a passage that uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time on in just a couple of months. We talk about putting God at the center with our talents and all this, how to worship him with, with everything that we are. It comes to us from Ephesians and it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you get that? Which God prepared in advance. Let God go before you and also be God's handiwork. Let God prepare you. There's this two, God is not unwise. <laughs> he prepares the work as he prepares the worker. So let God prepare us. How do we do that? Pray, serve people, love them, right? Listen to God, wait upon him, at the same time, ask him, God, as you're preparing their hearts, give me opportunity at the right time and the right words and the courage to share. And that's what we do. It's amazing to see how God shows up. Next, we recognize that God authorized the sharing of the gospel, so boldly share the gospel. When God provides the opportunity, then share it. Sometimes he'll have you share the gospel with people you didn't ever expect you would ever to, right? Sometimes it's a very quick thing, right? And you would think there is no way, right? There might be people that you quite honestly, would prefer not to spend eternity with, right? But God provides you to share the opportunity, you to share it. I have, not, I have an example of this. When I was a youth pastor, there was a kid that was just, I was only a youth pastor for just a, a short period of time, just a little over a year, and there was a, pr- a kid in my youth group that drove me nuts, right? It was like, uh, for those of you who remember chalkboards, like you took fingernails down it, right? That was, for those of you who are younger, don't Google it. It's horrible. It's the worst sound ever. But this kid drove me crazy, right? It just was ill-behaved and was, you know, sassy and was just always making a mess of stuff and all those types of things. And be honest with you, you know, I, of course I welcomed him and I was always nice to him because I'm professional. But that's about the level that I was at because he drove me nuts and just the personality was wrong. But he came to me one day Right, we just I did this, this this awesome Bible lesson that had nothing to do with salvation, so I could tell he wasn't listening. And he came up to me and he says, "Aaron, I don't understand why it is that that I don't have hope. You keep talking about hope. How do how do I have hope?" Now, at the moment, I couldn't think of spending eternity with this kid as being anything but horrible. But God provided an opportunity, didn't He? And God provided this young man's heart because I did pray for him, because I'm a professional. But God also prepared me. Because in that moment, God broke my heart for him. And I was able to share the gospel boldly. I didn't hold anything out. I got to share with him how God loves him. Because it wasn't my message. You have to realize that this is a message that is, that is life-transforming. It changes eternity, not just this world. We can't be timid about the gospel. This is life. And so we have an opportunity when when it comes, do not make excuses or apologies for God. Share the gospel. He loves people so much. 
He died to pay the price for all of our sins so that we wouldn't have to. So we could be reunified with him. That we could spend forever with him. And then he doesn't just leave us there. Right? He transforms us from the inside out. That's an amazing thing. Be bold. When the opportunity comes, you might think, I am not an evangelist. Yes, you are. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but you have good words because you have the good news. If you are in Christ, the gospel is in you. When the opportunity comes, you share. You don't have to share anybody else's testimony but your own. But be bold. Jesus said that he would have to do that. He says, go make disciples, right, of all nations. These are people that you know in your own hometown. These are the people in your family. These are people that you don't know. As God provides opportunity, do not be afraid. You have been authorized by God to be able to share. So share boldly. Third thing that we have on this is that as we let God prepare hearts, we boldly share, we have to trust God to work. This is what separates us from being the professional evangelist. And I always put that, listen, I am not a professional Christian. Yes, I get paid to be able to shepherd you, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But that's not why I do it. I shepherd you because I love you, because I love my God who loves you. Right? The gospel is not something, this is not an organization. We're not a 501c3. We're not a multinational corporation. That's not how we're operating. The power of the church is God's Holy Spirit. Right? If God's not at work, then then sign me out. The thing is, is that you don't have to be persuasive. Right? If God's preparing people's hearts... You don't have to worry, am I going to be persuasive enough? I'm going to have all the right answers. Let God work, right? We do not give people a sales pitch. I can give you testimony from my own life how God has shown up and has transformed me. I can tell you firsthand how God has shown up. And I want you to have that same wonderful hope and experience as well. If somebody chooses not to receive it, okay, Maybe it's not a no, maybe it's a not now. But we don't have to pound them over the head with the gospel. We can still love them and continue to pray for them, can't we? We don't have to feel like I've got to hone all of my different ways of being able to manipulate somebody to scare them enough that they run to Jesus. No, let God work. God is the one who draws people unto him. Recognize that when you are sharing the gospel, you are partnering with God. That's why that, that passage that Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why would Jesus need to be with us if he wasn't planning to work with us? So let him work with you. Recognize that you will get to see miracles. You will get to see somebody's heart transformed. It can happen. We have to trust him. Romans 1.16 says this, and I think it's so powerful. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. This is God's work. Do you understand when you share the gospel, it's like turning a light on in a dark room? And that's what it says. It's, it's a light. And there's the darkness of, of humanity. Like if those of you go to Ukraine, you will see darkness like you've never seen darkness before because you will be out on these flat, dark plains where there are no lights anywhere and you will see how just how inky dark black black can be and the stars are really pretty which by the way is kind of cool except it's cloudy which it is a lot i've never seen blackness like that i mean where there's just no light right and you uh, you cannot see a thing and it just seems almost impenetrable but it's amazing even my watch light 
breaks the darkness. That when you share the gospel, it has the ability to help others see truth and life and love and the purpose that, that God has for them. This is a power of God. So trust in the work. That, that uh, Trust that this is not a sales pitch. Trust that it's not just convincing somebody to do anything. Know that the gospel is the promise of God of salvation. That, that, that our faith is expressed in belief and confession, repentance and baptism and, and, and discipleship. That as we come to Jesus, right, that he, he says, listen, you can apply this in your life. And as we do that, he transforms us from the inside out. Not just making us alive, but giving us a whole new way to live. Let God be at work in the gospel. Trust him to do it. It is the power of God. So I would say this, don't confine God's ability to work. Peter could have said to God, nope, Lord, I gave my word that I would never eat pork and I would never hang out with Gentiles. So I'm not going to listen to this awesome, cool vision that you gave me. I'm going to stay right here where it's safe and only share with people that I want to. I would say sometimes we have to have the courage to step outside of our expectations and into obedience to where God has called us to go, to advance the kingdom to places in the hearts that we never thought were open. So what do we do with all this? Well, let's apply it. Let God prepare hearts. Right? As we share the gospel in Estes Park, this is not a work of Christian Church of Estes Park or even the churches of Estes Park. This is a work of God. So let God work. Begin praying. Are we praying for our neighbors and our friends and our family members? Are we praying for them regularly? You may not feel like you have the gift of prayer. It doesn't matter. You still have prayer. Some people don't have the gift of gab, but they still have a cell phone, don't they? Use your prayer. Pray for people, right? Let God prepare hearts, but also pray for you. Ask God to change you and prepare you to share the gospel. Then boldly share it as he provides opportunity do not be ashamed. It is the power of God that brings salvation. And trust God to work. Trust that God is at work with us right now. And that is an act of faith, isn't it? Trusting him. So how do you apply that? What are some next steps that you can put in your own life to do it? Well, if you take out your connection card, you know that I always like to give you next steps. Because discipleship is just following Jesus, right? Following after Jesus. And that means that we have to take next steps regularly. Not giant leaps Right? Just another step every week. What are some things that you can do to apply this? Well, on the back side, some things you can do. Maybe you start by memorizing the Great Commission. This is God's plan and His idea. Take time. It's amazing as we begin to pray this scripture, as you memorize it, think about it in your own life, it begins to change us from the inside, doesn't it? Maybe that's where you start this week. Or how about this? Maybe you read Acts 10. Read this chapter that I have so wonderfully summarized for you. Go through and actually read it. It's amazing. There's some cool stuff in there. Now, how about this? What if you start by praying for three? What does that mean? You know three people. Guaranteed. You've got to know three people who do not know Christ. You don't have to beat them over the head with the gospel or anything like that, but can you pray for them? Out of love, can you pray for them? Can you begin now, this week, say, I'm going to continue to just pray for them. God, prepare their hearts to receive the gospel. Then prepare me to share it if I'm the one that, or whoever it is going to share it, but you prepare me to do it. You give me the words, opportunity, and courage when it comes. Can you begin praying for three people? I think you'd be amazed. We did this uh, last year, and I had some folks that they were just shocked that the folks that they had never thought would ever join the church actually came, and some have actually come to faith this last year. 
That was awesome. Begin praying. Or how about this? Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? The gospel is the power of God, right, to save. And it says that we are saved by God's grace through faith. You know, in Scripture, it does say how, how we receive that faith, right? Because faith is, is, is like ethereal thing, right? You can't put faith in a bottle. But God gives us opportunity to express faith. And there are ways it tells us to do that. First is belief by just trusting him. It doesn't mean you're not going to have doubts. It means you're going to trust God even with your doubts. Say, God, I know that I'm going to trust that this is true. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to believe that you saved my, me from my sins. Belief. Uh, confession. Right? And repentance. Confession is saying, God, I'm going I'm to start following after you. Not perfectly, but I'm going to start living things your way, not mine. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, well, that's con- uh, repentance. Confession is, is an expression of faith that says, God, uh, you know what? You're my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to be ashamed of this, that I'm actually following you. <laughs> Baptism, being baptized. You know, Jesus said, go to all people, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is a very important expression of faith. In Scripture, that's important in the faith as we, we express our faith in baptism is that point in Scripture where we often find that this is where Scripture decides we are, are saying to God very physically, very practically, very objectively, yes, I am yours. Do that. And also, I didn't have room on there, but it's to be discipled. You've got to continue to grow in faith. You have to continue to grow. It's not about just being born again. It's about being grown up in this awesome family. If you need to take those steps of faith, let me know. I would love to help you with that. Maybe that's where you start this week is saying, God, I want to be, I want to receive the gospel. And maybe there's something else you need to do. Holy Spirit's at work. We'll let him work. Is God telling you to do something maybe I didn't think of? Write it down. Because as your pastor, I want to support you. I want to help you grow in faith and faithfulness. Let us know. Maybe there's another commitment that you need to make. Write that down as well. There's also a place to write your prayer requests. You know I pray for you every single week. If I know how, even better. Take that opportunity to write this down. And then here in a second, as the worship team uh, comes out here, we're going we're gonna to take our offering. We take our offering. I invite you, please take this uh, connection card. Just pull that off. Keep, uh, uh, the, take the memory verse card. Pull that off. And then what you want to do is take this connection card. Drop in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts. Right? And... Uh, Let's make this commitment to God together. All right, let's pray for our our offering and our gifts, and then we'll have the worship team close us with some good worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your kingdom does march on. It is conquering lives and souls and hearts even still. You are bringing life to people who have lived in death. You are bringing hope to people who have lived in despair. God, you're bringing righteousness to those of us who can't earn it on our own. And we are saved by your grace through our faith. And Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to really own that. That we would invite you. Help us, Lord. Train us. Teach us. How do we include you in the gospel presentation in this community? Would you come in Estes and transform hearts for you? Prepare hearts to receive the gospel. Prepare us, Lord. Help us to be people that would love others enough to share this great news. Not out of arrogance or out of fear, but just out of true love. And Father God, I pray too that, uh, that as we grow in this, as we, as, we, as we spend time with you, as we care for your people, the people that you've created in this community, that you would work, God, and you would bring more life into this valley as your kingdom continues to grow. And Father, in this, would you receive glory? We would ask that you would. Please take these tithes and these offerings and these, these commitments that we've made today. Please use them as an investment to your kingdom. 
Lord, that they would be used not just to build up uh, this church, but, Father, and build life here, Lord. And that life would be abundant and that would bring you glory. And we pray all of this in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen.